The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find him on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe. Um, you can find me at Raven Sit Room. And we are here to talk a little bit about the preseason, game one against the Saints and, and the Ravens and trying to get a little bit into this season. And, you know, Gabe, it was a little bit of a slow start here in, in preseason week one. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Um, 18 straight is what matters. So they, they got that number, and I think they'll keep that streak rolling probably until John Harbaugh is no longer the coach of the Ravens because he seems to be competitive to the end. Also, the Ravens have a very deep roster, and that showed in the second half. So they were able to just kind of like outcompete in, in a significant way. Also, um, five okay. turnovers. Five yeah. turnovers doesn't hurt. And you're, you're, wait, you win by three and you have five turnovers. Uh, I think there's yeah. some luck there. I think it was actually six turnovers by the end, um, which makes it even worse when you consider it because, you know, they had that game ceiling interception. Even when, when, the, when the Saints were looking a little frisky there at the end um, with their like third string quarterback, I mean, I know everybody's backups at that point, but it's, it's not something you really want to see. Wait, you, you mean the winningest quarterback in the history of Notre Dame football? Ian Book? Good old Ian Book. <laughs> um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, it was fortuitous. I mean, the wins and losses in these games don't really matter. And, you know, um, you know, when you and I were talking a little bit about what we wanted to cover today, I thought we could kind of talk a little bit about who we thought looked good and, and what we thought was working. And, and then we can talk a little bit about who we thought was looked bad and what wasn't working. Um, and so I'll, I'll jump right in and I'll take the easy one. Um, how could you not be impressed with? Um, is it is it Odafe or Odafe? I think it's Odafe. Odafe. All right. Odafe Owe and Dalen Hayes looked all of the part that we were promised. Um, Hayes, from a repertoire perspective, brought it all, and he just out technicianed anybody that he was facing on the field. You know, and he wasn't out there with the ones, and the Saints weren't starting their offensive line for very long anyway. But he technically just looked really sound and, and had a really great plan. And that's not to say that OA did not look like he had a good plan, but good Lord, he is, I mean, he's going to produce this year. He's going to either be hurt or he's going to produce because he is a monster of a human being. He reminds me in, in build a lot of Suggs, but he's faster, like yeah. a lot faster. And, and it's not that, I mean, Suggs was never the fastest player. He was always maybe the smartest player, but oh my gosh, OA's size and speed combination are incredibly intimidating. Yeah, and, and that's why he was taken in the first round. That's why he was talked up as a first round pick because of the really rare combination of size, speed, athleticism that he put up in, I mean, not a combine, but in, in, the, in the pro day. Um, it's, it's really rare to have someone like that um, be, you know, playing defense. Generally, they are, you know, top, five, 10 picks. If you have that athletic profile, he didn't get picked that highly because he's a very raw pass rusher. He doesn't have the the polish that you'd, you'd want from someone necessarily to be picked that highly, but clearly 
you know, he has the potential to get there if he can kind of pick up on some of the nuances of the position. And, you know, it's going to be a while. I'm not going to say he's going to come out and, and be someone who looks like, you know, you know, a veteran edge rusher out the gate, but I think he can be used in this defense in a, in a pretty significant way, especially with someone creative like Wink Martindale, who's going to play his players all over the field in all kinds of different alignments and different pass rush situations and blitz packages. It's going to be fun to see how he's used. They definitely benefited, like you were talking about, with the fact that it wasn't a combine. I think that if you had a, a third party, I, I think his, I think his uh, measurables were were real, and I think if you had a third party entity measuring those measurables at the same rate, he would have been a top ten pick, hard stop. Um, and so, for sure, the Ravens definitely got a little lucky there. But the only thing I could think about when I was watching him, other than being just really impressed by him, was can you imagine if he was like a two way player and played as tight end? I mean, he made he would make Josh Oliver look small, um, and Josh Oliver's a big guy, right? Like he he could just be menacing in nearly any position. He could be wide receiver. Uh, he could fill out and play offensive line. I, <laughs> I'm just impressed with him physically overall, and it's really I feel like that's not typically been the Ravens' mo in terms of players. It's all, often production and smarts and, and caginess, and so um, you know it's really nice to have a guy that's that athletic on this team. Yeah, and just in this preseason game, we saw him drop at least I think three or four times in coverage. I mean, and the one time he was kind of like kind of lost in space, but he was basically running stride for stride with a wide receiver down the field. Um, you know, if he picks up on that a little bit more and understands the coverage scheme a little bit more and understands his role in that coverage, that can be a really you know powerful weapon, especially with someone like Tyus Bowser, who's also one of the more athletic, more um, quality outside linebackers in space. He's very good in coverage. So if you have two players who can do that, you can use them so many different ways. You can blitz them. You can rush them off the edge. You can drop them in coverage. And that's everything that Wink wants to do. So you have two guys you can kind of use interchangeably in that role. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it really is. So who's on your list of uh, who do you think impressed this game? So I'm going to take this back to the end of our last podcast where we talked about one of the players who can really have an like a breakout season as on defense. And that's Patrick queen, because, you know, he's someone who we had high expectations for last year. He came in, he was a little disappointing. I think in a lot of ways, he didn't really quite fit the bill as the first round draft pick for the Ravens defense. Um, but we saw the potential there, the flashes in this game, in the limited snaps he had, he showed everything that we thought he could be as, as an NFL linebacker. You know, he showed that the recognition he's flying all over the field and run defense and pass defense. He had a sack. Um, he just showed all the things that you want out of, out of that first round draft pick at inside linebacker. And I think if he can take that next step as being someone who is, is more in tune with the defense, he understands his role a little bit better. Who's not thinking so much, but it's more of a natural kind of, you know, understanding of where he needs to be. And he can just like be in the, position that he has to be in he can make a ton of plays in this defense because we know the rest of the defensive roster is stacked he has great players all around him and he's going to be free to make a lot of plays and if he's not thinking anymore and if he's just making quick snap decisions and like shooting gaps and you know tracking down you know run backs or tight ends or whatever it may be i think he can be a you know a devastating weapon in this defense yeah for sure i I mean not only did he look better in his recognition in this game i thought he physically looked better too and not that i thought patrick queen was small by any stretch last year but he looked stronger and thicker um this year i think that's going to help with some missed tackle problems that he had last year his recognition definitely looked better i agree um 
And and I think, it, you know, it's almost to some degree, it's a little bit of less aggressiveness to make up for what you were just talking about. I thought at times Queen was was basically baited into by NFL offensive coordinators who are brilliant minds into doing specific things that he thought he was seeing in front of him because he was reading too quickly and 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 trying to make decisions without really understanding what was going on. If his if that awareness and that 360 sense of what that looks like has gone up, then then like you said, the sky is the limit. And I thought Queen wasn't the only good inside linebacker prospect that was or up and coming inside linebacker guy that played for the Ravens. Blake Harrison seems to have supplanted LJ Fort as the guy. Um, and maybe that's why the Ravens cut LJ Fort and brought him back. They want him for the special teams, they want him for the depth, but I think that they're going to let Malik Harrison and Patrick Queen get out there and get after it this year. And Malik Harrison is a load. I, I, he is, he is, I think he's a better player than he gets credit for. But when he is taking on a blocker, get out of the way. Um, and I also noticed on that first drive, there was a play where they had Harrison lined up outside of OA on the right side. So if there's some versatility to be had there and you've got, you know, Harrison being able to play a little bit of the Sam and you've got Queen blitzing on the interior. We're going to this the versatility, like you were saying, of this defense when it when it comes to OA and Bowser, like it's just going to go out the roof if Harrison can take even eight snaps a game meaningfully at Sam. Yeah, 100 percent agree. I mean, Malik Harrison is a grown man. Let's let's leave it at that. You know, there was that play last year where he like tackled a lineman and Derrick Henry in the same like screenplay like at literally the same time like he's blown up offensive linemen on a regular basis he's he plays bigger than his size and it's not that he's small but he he looks like he's got the heaviest hands out there on the field I and mean, maybe behind like Justin Matabike he also has some really heavy hands by the way he he had a I mean I don't know if we're going to talk about him or not but he had he was only out there also for a few snaps but he also showed up um but yeah getting back to Harrison I mean having him and queen as kind of the two linebackers for the next, you know, several years, who knows how long they'll be with the Ravens. You know, that's a great place to build. And, you know, I know they put a lot of draft capital in that with, with drafting two players in the first three rounds, but you know, you've got to like having those two young guys that you can build around that, you know, you can probably, like you said, keep on the field and some past past situations. You don't necessarily have to go to the dime if you don't want to. Um, and, you know, they complement each other really well because, you know, Queens, the guys can, and kind of like fly all over the field and, and Harrison can do some of the dirty work. And like you said, Harrison can play a little bit on the outside and he can set the edge. He can probably drop into coverage a little bit. And there's a lot of potential with these two players. I'm really excited to see them in their second year. Yeah. My only concern remains that queen will get washed out of a few too many plays that we would like. And that did happen to him. I thought a few times early in the first quarter, um, but he seemed to get his bearings and if he can, uh, you know, if that's not happening, happening at a, at an all consistent basis, then I think the Ravens are going to be, and he's going to be just fine. And, you know, the next guy I had on my list is a guy that you just mentioned. Matabike did not play many stabs, but he was showed up on every single one of them. He won from, from my eye and, and we don't have the all 22, but just watching the broadcast, he won his snaps. He was in the backfield. There was one running play where, the guard gets up into him and he stacks and sheds and, and essentially just stops the guy dead in his tracks um, right at the line of scrimmage w was really impressed with him. I think with a full role and him being kind of rotational with Campbell and Wolf um, that could be, he could be a really big, we could just see really big impact dividends from the defensive line, both being able to stay fresh um, and being able to utilize three guys that are going to be really effective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people are expecting Matt BK to have 
have a pretty big um, second season. You know, he got slowed down by injury a little bit last year, but he had a really strong second half of the year. Um, he's someone who's out there hustling on every single play. And he's also, you know, he has this really impressive athletic profile where he's, you know, a little under 300 pounds, but he moves basically like you know, someone who's like a linebacker and he has that initial quickness. He can be disruptive in the passing game. He can be disruptive in the run game. Um, I, I, I'm expecting him to have a really big year. You know, I, when he, when we drafted him, I kind of comped him to Geno Atkins. I saw a lot of similarities and just like the quickness and like the body type and the biggest guy, but someone who can be really disruptive. And I think as, the, as, as he continues to develop and grow into a bigger role, he's someone who's going to, you know, be on the field an awful lot and he's going to make a lot of plays for the Ravens. And he's been quietly popping up on a lot of non-Ravens related lists. I think the ESPN had him in like their top 20 breakout players for year two. Um, I think I saw like he popped up in like a PFF list. So he's getting some attention because of the work that he did last year. And that was after missing some time with injury. So let's hope that they can keep him healthy and and take him to the next level this upcoming year. So who else you got that you like this this past week in preseason week one? So I think we're going to stick on the defensive side of the ball and I'm going to go with Geno Stone. Like, I think you have to mention him in in this same breath because I mean he was probably the Ravens' best you know secondary player in this game. He was out there a lot. Um, obviously the two interceptions they were both impressive. You know they weren't necessarily um, gifts, but I think you know the second one he was in the right place at the right time. The first one a little bit the same thing, but he he put himself in the right place and he showed some ball skills to be able to come get that first interception. That was really impressive. I thought. Um, I I think that. He's definitely making um, it going to be really difficult for the coaches to not put him on the 53-man roster. Um, they cut him last year and brought him back in the offseason. I'm glad they did because I think he's starting to have a better sense for the game. And I, I can see him as being someone who can come in as a reserve safety and eventually you know, carve out a niche for him maybe as, as a starter down the line. Yeah, you know, he was, I, I agree with you that it wasn't exactly right place, right time. Um, it, it was kind of interceptions of convenience um but on the second interception he covered a lot of ground he was actually on the far side hash when he breaks um with that play and so to make that kind of ground coverage i think that's the free safety kind of sense or type guy that is kind of fully aware like that that the ravens have been missing and i think elliot can be that but I, i like elliot more in the box and and playing downhill as much as his ability to cover ground so i'd like stone in that role I would argue that Ardarius Washington was as impactful during his time on the field as Geno Stone was. The Ravens have got two really interesting safety projects in, in both of these guys, I think. Um, you know, both in the sense that neither are kind of combine winners. They're not the OAs of the world, um, but they really seem to be in the right place in the right time. Ardarius Washington did whiff on the sack of book, but otherwise I thought he played really well. He was in and around the ball. He was it's just right place, right time kind of sense. And when you've got guys that have that football IQ of understanding what's going on on, the, on their side of the field or their part of the field or what's going on conceptually in the bigger play and being kind of that quarterback, so to speak, of the defense like that and can and then can convert those into impact plays. And that, I think that's where both Washington and Stone showed up this week was that they, they converted those into plays that mattered on the stat sheet and mattered in big moments. Um, and the Ravens defense really begs 
to have guys that can do that. We saw that when Eric Weddle was here. He was a step slower than when, when, when he was with San Diego, but he was able to have a really big impact because the defense allows those safeties to be a little bit more roving and not have a lot of that primary assignments. And if they can be that cleanup or they be that impact guy, um, you know, I, I think it's very possible that both of them won their roster spots, even in this preseason week one. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, Stone and Washington, they both had that kind of instinctiveness to their game where they just have a natural feel for, you know, with a play that's happening in front of them, where they need to be. Um, you know, Washington had a really nice break on, a, on an out route where he almost had an interception. Um, you know, for Washington, this game was interesting because he played actually mostly at the slot cornerback as opposed to a safety where I think he, he mostly played in college. Um, and I think the Ravens probably might view him as kind of a hybrid kind of player be- and that might be due to his size. You know, he doesn't have the, you know, kind of normal size for a safety. I think he's what, like five, nine, like one ninety, something like that. So he's definitely a little undersized for the position, but you know, he might be able to carve out a role for him as, as a slot cornerback, or as kind of like a hybrid box, maybe like a Tyran Matthew type, um, not the biggest guy, but he's scrappy. He knows where to be and he can make plays for sure. Um, and you know, while we're talking about safeties, we may as well mention Brandon Stevens too who I think also had a very nice game at, at that position. You know, he was on the field kind of from the beginning in like a dime safety or dime backer position. Um, he has some nice plays as well. You know, he shows some versatility, ability to cover, ability to rush the passer. Um, he showed up and run defense at a couple of moments. Um, so he was, you know, he was all over the field. The Ravens used him in a lot of different roles. And, you know, I mean, he there's no question that he's going to make the roster i think the question is what his role in the defense is going to be so he's someone to keep your eye on for sure as well yeah the Ravens secondary I, and, and we just saw iman marshall put on the ir for the year and you know i'm bummed because the Ravens spent a fourth round pick on the guy and he just never got he hasn't been able to get healthy enough to have a chance i think this instance was one of those ones where he might have been able to be healthy at some point during this year and contribute and the ravens just don't the depth is too much. I, I, not too much because you you can never have enough good quarterbacks. We we don't need another Rashawn Melvin versus Tom Brady episode um, to to kind of flash back in in that PTSD form. But um, you know that speaks a lot to where these Ravens secondary guys are. That that what the Ravens think they have in guys like Stone, what they think they have in guys um, like Washington and Stevens, and then Wade with the interception late in the game. He looked he looked all the the part, and then um, you know even Chris Westry looked. I wouldn't put him in the great category, but I thought he played very well um, in this game. And he certainly also took a really big step in terms of locking up his spot. So um, you got to feel good about the Ravens secondary this year. Yeah, I feel good. I almost feel too good about it. There's going to be some difficult decisions to make. You know, the Ravens are the, probably the deepest secondary in the league, hands down. Um, and then with these young guys who are really showing out, it's, it's going to be really challenging to make some decisions um, about who stays and who goes. And, you know, before we get into some of the guys who we weren't as impressed with um, in, in this week one or preseason week one, I wanted to mention one guy on offense I thought, you know, had a good game, and, and that's backup quarterback Tyler Huntley. Because, you know, in the first half, we saw Trace McSorley. I, I know he had some, he had a back injury and he probably wasn't 100%, but he just did not look comfortable. He had, he had maybe two or three nice throws the entire game, but mostly he just looked out of sorts. He, he didn't show any of this capability that Huntley showed. And, and yeah, he was going against maybe some better competition, but I think, you know, just the ability of Huntley to kind of take on the same role that 
Jackson can do in the offense. We saw on the touchdown run, we we ran the same option play that, that Jackson has scored several touchdowns on, and, and Huntley looked like the exact same player. Um, and he has that explosive athleticism. He has that suddenness. He has that escapability in the pocket. And he has a decent arm, too. You know, he made that one mistake where he had the fumble, but overall, I think he showed that he's someone who can be capable. And we can even go back to last season when he came in in that playoff game. You know, he, he wasn't a train wreck when he was out there. He made some plays. And, and you know, he missed, you know, um, Hollywood Brown by like a yard on what could have been like a touchdown to tie the game, like late in like the fourth quarter. Like the offense didn't completely fall away when he was in there. And I think that's what you want in your backup quarterback. Yeah. Well, we should, you know, Harbaugh said he wants to see this offensive line play together at some point during the preseason. Huntley is probably going to be in for some modicum of those snaps. So we're going to get a look at, at what that looks like. But I agree. I think he's better than Trace McSorley. I had nothing against Trace McSorley, but I think Huntley's just the better fit. And so the injury, it's too bad that McSorley is going to be injured. And I, and I don't know what that's going to ultimately mean of whether or not, you know, I, ultimately I, th- I think he hasn't played enough. He can still land on the practice squad yeah. at this point. And I, so I think that's where he's kind of destined to be, to be headed at this point. I also thought Tyson Williams played really mm-hmm. well on offense. Justice Hill is my, you know, punching bag and has been for the last few years and look tentative and hesitant and slow. Um, and Tyson Williams looked deliberate and clear and quick and strong. Um, and so, you know, Justice Hill has been good as a gunner and that if anything is going to earn him his spot, I think we just talked about the safety position. Anthony Levine and Jordan Richards should be worried about their spots because if these other guys can play special teams, then at some point you just have to bite the bullet and say these, you know, we love the veteran presence, but we got to go with the young guys and we got to figure out a way to kind of get them in here and see what that looks like and how that works. Um, I wonder if Justice Hill is in that same boat. You know, if even I can't remember his name, I thought 18 looked good. He actually kind of reminded me a little bit of JK Dobbins and, and Ray Rice in that kind of like shorter, stouter, but like short burst kind of distance. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I thought J.K. Dobbins kind of was was buried by really poor blocking. But um, I, I didn't feel that so much for Justice Hill. I felt like he just didn't seem to have a plan for what he wanted to do. And I think that, you know, at some point the Ravens are going to have to cut bait with that guy. But the point being is that I thought Tyson Williams looked good. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree about Williams. And I think it really is kind of a discussion at that third running back position. Now, I, I didn't think there was going to be a discussion going into the season, but but uh, Williams is really looking pretty spry out there. And, you know, he, sh- he showed the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he has a little bit of power to his running game, a little bit more than Hill does, I think, a little bit more size. Um, he, he's, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. And I, th- I think it's probably going to end up being a practice squad guy. But, um, you know, he definitely has some burst in, in, in his game. You know, it's 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 kind of a numbers thing. And obviously I don't think the Ravens can afford to carry four running backs, but you know, I think you're right about justice Hill. I mean, I, I was a little higher on him, I think than you were, um, but he just really hasn't shown it. And maybe there haven't been, you know, the gaps I, and maybe he had a f- few flashes last year against like that in the Pittsburgh game, but yeah, he had that one run in the Pittsburgh game. That's all anyone talks about. Yeah. I mean, he broke like six tackles in one run, which was really nice. And he has that ability, but he can't put that together consistently. And, and, and until he does, um, it's, I don't know. He's always going to be potential. And at some point you need to actually show it on a more consistent basis. Well, you just can't in the NFL and Tyson or justice Hill has always been a kind of 
preseason hero in some senses because you can break those tackles against non-starting caliber NFL players and you won't break those tackles against starting NFL linebackers. And and he needs to learn that he needs to take the yards in front of him sometimes and not be not be trying to break so many tackles sometimes because he just doesn't he's not Le'Veon Bell, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't have that suddenness to his start stop. And so he's he's not going to win those. But I think you're right. I, Tyson Williams ultimately He's a running back, so he's likely going to end up on the practice squad. And if the Ravens are worried about him going to some other team in that spot, then they, you know, there could be a chance they trade Justice Hill in that instance, um, you know, for a late round pick as well. Um, I also thought Josh Oliver looked pretty good in the second half. Um, he's on my naughty list for the first half, where I thought he was particularly terrible, but in in the second half of the game, um, and I thought the Ravens used him really effectively in that kind of crosser, kind of underneath. Um, you know, action and and it fit. You could you could really tell the difference between Huntley and McSorley in those moments because the way they defended Oliver on the crossers like that in the first half was much tighter because there was much less of a threat of McSorley um, kind of breaking the pocket. And Huntley's threat of that, I thought, allowed him to kind of open up those routes a little bit more. Also, the decisiveness of Huntley to get the ball in his hands a little quicker too. Yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. Um, and and maybe he was out there playing against some some lesser competition as well. But I do think he flashed. You know, I think he had one drop, which I was, you know, a little disappointed by. But um, I think overall, he's going to make the team for sure, um, especially with the questions surrounding Nick Boyle. I think there's a good chance that he starts the season either on the PUP or the IR. So that really opens the door for um, Oliver. Um you know, I think they cut Eli Wolf today, so that might also open the door for a guy like Josh Tomlinson potentially. Is that his name? Or Tom- Eric. Eric. I was thinking of pitcher. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So Eric Tomlinson. You know, he's a good blocking tight end. I think maybe he he can make it if Boyle doesn't. Um, so because I think they do want to start this season with three tight ends after, especially what happened last year, not having that third tight end, I think was kind of an issue for them at times. So. You know, we'll see. I think Oliver definitely has the ability to block, um, and he's a decent pass catcher. And, and I think that's a good thing to have for your third tight end. He's definitely someone who should be on an NFL roster. And, you know, the Ravens do have a need at the position, so I think he'll definitely be there. So any other any other good or positives you want to call out from this game? Um, Not really. Yeah, I, you know, conceptually... You know, I thought I, I thought yeah, it's just so hard to judge kind of both individuals because the caliber of who is competing against whom, what the calls are, the intentionality of that. A lot of that isn't there. Yeah. And you, you kind of just have to isolate it on like a, a player individual basis to see how they're performing. Um, and like there were some issues with the offense and, and we can start there. Um, the offensive line just did not look good in the first half. They kind of put it together a little bit in the second half. Um, and, and maybe that speaks to the depth that the Ravens have, but if, I feel like they're more of like a good bunch of reserves instead of a quality starting unit at this point. And while we didn't see many of their starters out there, I think Villanueva was out there for one or two series and Bozeman was out there for, I think probably about the same, like maybe one, one more series and before he got an ankle injury, um, which thankfully doesn't seem like it's going to be serious. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to say without seeing what the unit completely together looks like, but they did not get any push at all in the run game. They did not, you know, pass protect well at all in the first half. It was, it was just a pretty ugly performance all around. Yeah. It, I, I thought it was ugly. I also thought, and this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to criticize Greg Roman because of what the way, 
plays were called in preseason week one, but you know your offensive line is is kind of a little rusty, not playing well together, not a great set of guys, and you're running empty like a quarter of your passing snaps in these games. Like a lot of your like there was little to no play action. Like all the routes were really deep developing like combo routes. It just makes me think sometimes he doesn't have a feel like like there's no way to evaluate guys when like that's the performance that you're putting in front of, putting onto tape. It's like let let Duvernay and Prochet run slants and quick action stuff. Let the quarterbacks throw it to them. Let let them see if they're going to actually be able to catch that. Run Oliver on some seams. Like we I want to see if Oliver can run a deep crosser or a seam like Hayden Hurst was able to. I mean, maybe they don't want to put that on film and they already feel like they have a good sense of what those things are going to look like. Um, but as a fan, it just seemed like we were running, we, we were doing stuff that was never like, you could immediately tell it wasn't going to work. Um, and yet all of the classic staple Greg Roman things, you know, including the, the heavy empty sets were, were what we were looking at, even when the offensive line was playing terrible. So that being said, Tyree Phillips looked like trash. Um, you know, which was really disappointing for a guy. He, they've moved him all around, but I, I, you know, there was a there was a pull block that he just like completely whiffed on. Oliver missed on a couple blocks in the first half, like really, really badly. And so maybe they just need to like schematically kind of get that stuff tightened up too. Um, but there's really no excuse for that because it's not like Stanley and these other guys have been taking the snaps in training camp up to this point. These are the same guys that have been taking these snaps up to this point in training camp too. Um, and so in that sense, I have to think that uh, the offensive coaches were pretty disappointed in the result they got just from 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 the whole offense, but definitely the offensive line, especially in kind of that first quarter and a half. Yeah, and, and let me start with Phillips because I kind of feel bad for him because he's been basically asked to play every single position on the line except for center. And, and he's really, in my opinion, not going to be a left tackle probably ever in the NFL. I mean, he has the size maybe to do it but he doesn't have the footwork he doesn't have the quickness um or the athleticism to really be a left tackle so he's really playing out of position maybe you could play him at right tackle in a pinch but that did not look good last year and limited and limited reps um so i mean i think he's more of a guard and i'd like to see him get some you know starting unit reps playing left guard um, to see if he's someone who can actually do that. I know he's played some of that in the in camp, so that might be you know a competition that's still open. Um, you know Ben Cleveland we saw today he has he's dealing with concussion. He's obviously in the mix to be the starting um, left guard for the Ravens as well as Ben Powers, who um, I don't think had a great game at all in this one. He, he especially in pass protection, he just uh, you know it's just it's pretty ugly. Um, so I'm. I'm hesitant to, to say who's going to be the Ravens starting left guard. I, I I don't know at this point. And, you know, you don't have that much time to figure it out. Um, but I hope that the Ravens have a better idea than I do. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I really think that Phillips has an opportunity to be a starting guard in this league. I don't – and I don't think if he's your swing tackle, that's a good thing. You know, the Ravens can't afford to have nobody really of quality backing up Ronnie Stanley, and maybe they're, they're going to say, and, you know, on um, Alejandro Villanueva, he's going to move over to left tackle. I mean, obviously, he's played a ton of the left tackle in the NFL, so he could definitely do that. But then, is your right tackle going to be, you know, Tyree Phillips? Um, maybe he can be a little better on the right side, but I don't know. It, he doesn't seem like the kind of player who's ready to take on all these different roles in the offense quite yet. So it, it, it's definitely a conundrum. I think um, 
like I said, the, the depth isn't bad. You know, you have some guys who I think look better in the second half. I think Tristan Colon Castillo looked decent. I think Ben Bredson had some decent moments in the second half. Um, and yeah, they were going up against like the dregs of the, of the Saints, not very deep roster. So it wasn't overall a very difficult opponent, but I think there could be some issues here and, and we really need to see the, you know, the starting unit work together, hopefully in this, in this next um, preseason game. Yeah. I mean, Zeitler sounds like he should be back and playing at least a few series. Villanueva is ready to go. Bozeman, hopefully with that injury is ready to go. I, I don't know that we'll see Stanley in any of these preseason games, but hopefully, you know, we see, we see either Phillips starting at left guard with Makari at left tackle, just, just for the sake of it. Or we see Cleveland, um, at left guard, so we can actually get a look at it and, and they can evaluate it. But it, And it's not even about us as fans getting a chance to look at it. Like These guys have got to be able to get on the same page. The Ravens do a lot of complex stuff. And so they either, and I think this is my frustration when I was talking a little bit about what the Ravens' approach was in the preseason game. Again, it's not that I'm being critical of like the play calling per se. It's just you could do a few more things it felt like to get them to be a little bit more cohesive and on the same page. And so I hope that if we are playing with those guys that, that we, we, we ratchet down some of the complexity and really, you know, especially if Lamar is there and let them kind of just get into a little bit of a rhythm, get them that experience of playing together. They'll get that playing against the Panthers during practice this week. So we don't, I don't have to see it, but I certainly have to see better results from whichever sets of units of guys are on the field than what we saw in preseason week one, because I was not concerned about the offensive line 14 days ago. I am definitely concerned about the offensive line right now, but I think that pendulum can swing back pretty quickly. Cause the other thing to remember is that the Ravens, what first game is what September 13th. I think um, so. We're still, you know, today is today's Monday. We're still four weeks away from the Ravens first preseason game. So there's an extra week off. Um, there's plenty of time to get healthy. There's plenty of time to get on the same page. There's plenty of time to kind of schematically know what you want to be doing in week one. But then you've got six days and you've got the Chiefs on the other side of that. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing that that's the thing that scares me personally. I want I want them to be ready. That game that that's a Red Star game on the calendar. Uh, the Ravens have not been able to get that monkey off their back, and they, you know, they're going to have to eventually. So, um, you know, it's something that I'd like to see. I think the other one of the other concerns that I saw on the defensive side was that once, and this was still happening late in the first half, the the backside um, like protection on the line really really overcommitted, um, and you saw them kind of over crashing. And I don't know if that's over pursuit or what we saw, but that's going to have to get cleaned up because there's enough zone running in this league now that 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 we can't kind of can't have them running free on the backside like that. Yeah, the, the defense kind of led up a few more plays, uh, both in the run game and the passing game, than I, I'd like to see. Um, but I think that's kind of just, you know, the first game out there in the preseason. I'm not too concerned. I think the Ravens' defense is, you know, probably going to be the strength of this team, at least at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think the offense will probably come around to shape. Um, obviously, you know, Lamar missed the, some time in, in training camp. There are a lot of injuries right now to the, the offense in general, both at the, on the offensive um, line and at wide receiver. Um, I mean, just real quick, I'm going to touch on that. Obviously, Rashad Bateman is going to miss a little bit of time with with a groin. Um, we're not sure exactly what that time frame is, but he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks at least at the start of the season. Um, it's a bummer because I think he's missing out on some valuable time and ability to kind of you know get that get those reps with Lamar, and that's something that 
he's just not going to have under his belt because, you know, obviously Jackson missed the first, you know, you know, few practices as well because, of, you know, he was out with COVID. So there really hasn't been that chemistry between them that you'd like to see. Um, you know, Hollywood Brown has pretty much missed all training camp so far. I, I think, you know, he's been doing work on the side. Hopefully he'll get back in there soon. And today, Sammy Watkins left practice early with, you know, what should hopefully be a minor injury, but he's had that kind of injury bug throughout his entire career. So you're looking at your top three wide receivers who are basically not practicing. Um, and it's starting to, you know, become maybe an issue with the injuries and, and none of them are serious, but it's starting to make me feel like is this offense really going to have the chemistry that they need going into week one of, of the season. Okay, Dan Orlovsky. I mean, I, I'm not – Sammy Watkins has missed half a practice so far. So, like, I, I'm not ready to put him in the concerned about injuries list. Obviously, Bateman is an issue, but he was a rookie. He wasn't going to – like, like if we're being honest, he wasn't going to have a huge impact on this team in the first quarter of the season regardless. Hollywood has had a ton of time with Lamar. Mark Andrews has been completely healthy – I mean, the injuries are a big question. If Stanley and Boyle aren't ready to go at the start of the year, I'm, I'm more concerned um, than not. But it sounds like Stanley is pretty close to ready to go. Um, and the Ravens wouldn't have, if there was a risk of them needing to keep him kind of on the sidelines, it was PUP eligible. Um, I think they would have done that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I want to be, my instinct is probably the same as yours to be a little concerned at this point and to be a little worried just because, you know, that's, that's the natural reaction to this. But at the same time, we are four full weeks away. Hollywood has had some injury history in his career, but he has not missed a lot of game time. He played through some pretty gritty stuff his rookie year after having surgery and a bolt put into his foot and still just basically not being able to walk during the week and playing during, you know, playing during the games. So I, I don't, I'm not as worried about him either. Um, and, and Duvernay and Prochet weren't on the great list from this past week, but I thought both did their part quite well. And that, in a, you know, that's, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. I want to see in week two, I want to see the first four play calls be design throws that are no other reads. I want to see, du, like, I want to see those balls being thrown to Duvernay and I want to see them being thrown to Prochet from, from Lamar. Um, so they can kind of build on that. And so as with those guys in tow, I'm not as concerned. Um, but I, I do agree a Bateman Watkins Boyle led offense and Hollywood Brown led offense is going to be a lot more dynamic than one that doesn't include them. And chemistry does matter. Um, but luckily Hollywood has been around long enough with Lamar that, that I think that that's enough to placate my concerns. I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like completely freaking out, but I just think it's something to take note of when half your starting offense is on the shelf. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, they're going to get it back on the field and there there won't be any major injuries, but you know, it's something right now, there isn't really a lot of continuity or, or, you know, we don't, we haven't really seen what that full offense on the field looks like at any point so far in the training camp. And that's something that I would like to see personally, Obviously, it's not going to be ever a full thing because I don't think Boyle is going to be out there on week one and Bateman's not going to be out there on week one. So that's two of your guys who are thinking as, you know, potential week one starters or at least major contributors who won't be there. I think the Ravens do have the depth that they can kind of work through that. And I still think they're going to be, um, you know, a, a good offense probably right out the gate. They're just not going to be the, you know, the high upside, super explosive offense that I think they could potentially be at some point in the season. Yeah. You know, the other thing that will fix all of this is, 
a, a counter bash read option with Dobbins and Lamar on the first play of the next preseason game that goes for 60 yards, right? Yeah. Or like a big run from Gus Edwards where he like breaks through converting actual fourth and shorts. I mean, the, the Dobbins fourth down play was an absolute, that was a total disaster. I, 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 if you go back and watch it, there was some kind of miscommunication between Tomlinson um, and whichever receiver was on that right side. I think it might have been it might have been Duvernay, but they basically just let the safety like no one went to block the safety. Tomlinson went to block the linebacker. Um, Duvernay blocked the wide receiver, and the safety just kind of who was at standing on the line of scrimmage runs right through. Um, so that kind of stuff can get cleaned up too. I think you see those kind of conversions. You see a long sustained drive from Lamar. And, and I think, you know, we haven't seen any of that this thus far, you know, and, and, you know, we didn't even get to see any of Lamar. So it, it makes you worried because, you know, you're also not seeing it, but I think, I think that they're more talented and more dynamic than, than we're giving them credit for a little bit right now too. Not, not to say that you don't credit them with that, just that, that I, I think that those guys, generally speaking, and particularly at the skill level, minus Bateman and minus Watkins essentially is the exact same crew that's coming, coming back through. And I think that that's to their advantage too. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that they'll be able to run the ball pretty much right out the gate just because of that Lamar Jackson factor. And, and, you know, we didn't mention Gus Edwards, who's also a pretty dynamic runner himself and he hasn't been, been able to really do much um, so far in the preseason as well, or in, or in training camp. Um, so I, th- I think they're definitely going to have, you know, a, a solid looking offense. It's just, it just might not be that, you know, they kind of the, super explosive downfield passing that I would have wanted to see right out the gate. You know, we've seen that in week one in the past from the Ravens and maybe, maybe we will see that it's, it's something that could definitely happen. You know, Hollywood's going to be out there. Andrews is going to be out there. I would assume in week one, hopefully Watkins will be able to start the season. Um, So I I think, you know, there's a lot of talent the Ravens have on offense. Like if you take the holistic look and see what they're going to be putting out there, even with some of these injuries potentially to Boyle and Bateman, I, th- I think they still have a higher ceiling considerably than what they showed last year, just because they have more weapons. Um, and, you know, last year, the starting wide receiver was Miles Boykin, and he's someone who might not even make the team this year. So, you know, just the potential upside. And, you know, we haven't really talked about James Prochet at all. You've mentioned him, but like in terms of like what he's been doing so far in training camp, it's been really impressive. Um, I think he only had one catch maybe in, in the preseason game, but he's someone who I think can actually, you know, fill a role if needed, you know, playing in, in the slot. He can, I, he's someone who is going to catch everything. I think he has that ability, that shiftiness out of the slot to get open for Lamar Jackson when needed. Um, so I'm excited to see him maybe in, in an expanded role in the second preseason game to see what that chemistry he has with, with, uh, with, with Lamar. Yeah, I mean, and we, we've kind of talked through a lot of the individual players. I think I disagree with you. I think Nick Boyle's going to be on the field for week one. I think they're just kind of keeping him mostly healthy. Um, I mean, again, we've got four weeks to go. That, that's a like that's a long recovery period for hearing that Nick Boyle had like late offseason surgery at the, before preseason camp started. Like that's giving him an eight to ten week runway to be be out there on the field. So um, I, I think he's I think he's going to be out there and, and ready to go in week one too. But you know, overall, we've kind of talked through a lot of these offensive groupings and a, a lot of these offensive players. You know, I think that that's the big question. You do you think the Ravens are going to score more points in well points per let's say points per game because we've got the extra game on the calendar, so they're they're definitely I think going to score more points in twenty twenty one than twenty twenty. Um, 
how many yeah. more do you, you you know how much more do you think that's going to look like for this team this year? I mean, I th- I think they could average thirty points a game. I think they were what like twenty eight or something like that last year. So I think I think you can definitely pencil them in for you know maybe scoring an additional like five six touchdowns over the course of the the year this this season. Um, and they they there were just so many silly things that they did last year. It's kind of painful to think back on like some of the things they were trying to do on offense. that just was looking like broken play after broken play. They just were not on the same page. You know, the offensive line was kind of all over the place. It just looked like they were just not, you know, thinking things through schematically for a lot of the season. So I, I think there's a lot of things that the Ravens could improve on offensively, just making little strides in small areas, like some of the sequencing of the play calling. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about how they um, run too frequently on first down. You know, I, I had that um, that video with, with Jason Smith, a huddle it up films. Um, shout out to my buddy there um, talking about second and one and how the Ravens always, always, always run on second and one or second and short. Um, if, if they can kind of break out of that mode a little bit, maybe use a little more play action. Those are easy ways to make incremental gains on offense. And if they just kind of take those gains along with the kind of personnel upgrades they made in this off season, I think they can easily be, you know, a top five offense in, in the NFL this year. And, and the ceiling is there to be number one, like we saw in 2019 for sure. Well, and the the crazy part about last year also was the New England game where they had 17 points where it was just absolutely pouring down rain, right? And then the COVID game against yeah. Pittsburgh where none of the starters were actually playing. And and even with all that, they're a team that scored 468 points last year, which was good for fourth, essentially, in the AFC with with those same factors. They scored a whopping five points less than the Chiefs last year. So like all this Mahomes and look, Patrick Mahomes is great. I'm just I'm tired of the hype and I'm tired of kind of like everybody just like kind of overstating his greatness. Like like the Chiefs are not this perfect team. I think that they still stand to be kind of vulnerable. Um I'd love for the Ravens to actually play a reasonable game against them. But I think the Ravens are going to to blow the offense out of the water of what they put up in this past year. I was, I was from going from 2019 to 2020, it was a huge disappointment. I think a lot of that was tied to right guard and Marshall Yonda um, and their losses there. And then when Stanley went down, essentially having to makeshift remake the entire offensive line. And then I think Greg Roman needs these three tight end sets to make what he's trying to do work. I think that like to set up some of these plays, they either need to be able to run out of some of these more wide receiver heavy sets um, which I don't think is one of Roman's strengths. I think, you know, to Andy Reid's credit, right? Like, I think Andy Reid is good at developing a running game around passing game sets. I think Greg Roman is good at building a running game around running game sets. So they have to have the tools or the ability to win passing out of running game sets. Hopefully Josh Oliver gets them over the hump for that, or they figure out ways to kind of move that up to the next level. You also look at things that, like how terrible the Ravens were out of empty, empty yep. sets last year. They went from being the best team in the league against uh, out of empty set to the worst team in the league out of empty set. That's a, that's a wild differentiation. And, you know, I, I don't know that, I guess if somebody has the time, it'd be really interesting if they went back and looked at and really broke down what the differences were in terms of the play calls in advance of some of that. So if we knew the Ravens changed their approach out of those empty sets, or it was just poor player performance, but there are things there for the Ravens, not just to make incremental gains like you're talking about on second and short, which they 
for the love of God, I hope they do. Um, but even without that, there's there are some spots for some really big gains, I think, for this offense this upcoming year. Yeah, and I think a big part of it gets back to the offensive line um, because I think that was a big fall off. I mean, you mentioned Marshall Yanda from 2019 and 2020. They never replaced Yanda. They lost Stanley pretty early on. You know, they had kind of a rotating turnstile at at right guard, at, at right tackle, center. You know, really the only player who was there the entire season was was uh, Bradley Bozeman at, at left guard. It was it was it was a really makeshift offensive line that they were trying to figure out the entire season long. Um, so I think. I mean, that's probably a large reason why the empty sets didn't work so well because the protection simply couldn't break, couldn't hold up. And, and you know, you just brought an extra defender and, and Chase Lamar and, you know, sometimes he would make a play, but a lot of times you, he wasn't able to have that same type of um, ability to find receivers downfield because he, he just had pressure in his face immediately. Um, and I think that was a big change. And I, I do think that this year's offensive line can be better. I like Alejandro Villanueva, obviously getting Riley Stanley back at, at left tackle gives you a good p- pair of bookend t- tackles. I mean, Stanley is one of the best pass protecting left tackles in the entire NFL when he's on top of his game. So hopefully he is, you know, going to be able to play at that same level. I think Bozeman transitioning to center is natural for him. I think he'll be better there. Um, obviously, Kevin Zeitler coming in at right guard. He's been a, a stalwart, one of the better guards in the NFL for a very long time. You know, he may be at the back end of his career, but I think, you know, I think the upside is still there for him to be at least a solid pass protector. I think he can, you know, be solid in, in the in the run game as well. So left guard is obviously a question mark like we discussed but you know there's some names and there's some guys that i think can potentially fill in there so i think the offensive line will be an upgrade and that alone should raise the floor we won't see as many like blown up plays and bad plays as we did um it'll be interesting to see if they use the same kind of schemes in the run game that they did last year you know towards the second half of the year we saw saw that counter bash being used you know to such you know devastating effect um and for some reason, they kind of got away from it in, in that playoff game. They used it a couple of times, but, um, you know, I, th- I think the Bills had it actually a, a way to defend it. So maybe that's why they didn't use it as much. But, um, you know, I, overall, like, you know, like we mentioned, it's the, the ceiling is there. Um, wh- whether or not they can take it to the next level, we don't know. I, I think, you know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes earlier. And if you look at the, like, the total overall numbers, I think, you know, the idea of what Patrick Mahomes is may be greater than the numbers he's put up in the past couple of years. He had that amazing, you know, second year, but what he's done is he's shown up in the big games and he's played significantly better in the games that matter. You know, last year's Super Bowl, maybe that's, that's kind of like the one like outlier where he did not play that well in a, in a huge game, but he's kind of put the team on his back and come up and made tremendous plays and big moments time and time and time again. And that's where I think we need to see Lamar Jackson take that next step. And, you know, some of that is the players around him. He doesn't necessarily have the, like the elite talent that Mahomes does, but we're starting to see some of those playmakers come into the off- offense now. You know, you brought over Watkins from your competitor. You know, he's someone that was able to take off some of the heat from the other players on the Kansas city chiefs. And then I think we have an opportunity to see, you know, Hollywood Brown develop into more of like, not so much the one guy who can be out there. And, and just like the overall breadth of talent that they have now is going to allow for some of those, you know, receivers to come open more frequently than what we saw last year. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I there, there's not a whole lot to disagree with here. I, I would say that the parallel to this season is much more 2019 than 2020 though. Um, and some of that was COVID and some of that was just kind of the craziness of last year, but also, 
I think heading into 2019, we weren't just quite sure what we were going to see from that Ravens team. It's like, oh, well, you saw Lamar running the ball like crazy in the end of 2018. That's all they did. Can they do more than that? Is that going to be more? And immediately from week one, they just came out and punched everybody in the face, both with kind of the deep passing game set up by play action to Hollywood in that first first game, and then throwing on top of that kind of like like the, the zone read action with Mark Ingram, right? And so... I, the, the reason I say that it's setting up itself like this year is because they tried to bring the zone read back last year. And whether it was offensive line or Mark Ingram just not being the same player, that kind of went away. Um, I think J.K. Domas is a much better fit for kind of the power counter bash like that. The approach that they're bringing in this year. So you have that same kind of upside of a guy for approach that they're bringing in in that regard. And then you've got a focus of really upgrading the wide receiver room and saying we're going to throw the ball. And so it's up to the Ravens about how they want to do this. Right. I I think the talent is there. Um, I think the players are there. They've just got to decide schematically where, where they, how they want to attack this and and whether they want to lean into this and whether they want to be stubborn and say that we're going to do the things that we've always done. And we don't give, we don't give two hex about what, you know, what everybody else says they think that we can do, or they say, okay, we're going to make some adjustments just like we typically do in the running game. And we're going to find a way to get success. You know, they might not have run counter bash for touchdowns against Buffalo, but they sure as heck did it when they needed a touchdown in the fourth quarter of the preseason game with Huntley in. So it's still in the playbook. It's still an instinct there. It was a it was a well run, well well executed play in the preseason by that set of guys. I don't even know who was in and all. There there were there were guys in an offensive line at that point that I Sarrell. There, there are guys I didn't even know played for the Ravens that were in the game at that point. That being said, you know, I think those adjustments and those things, and that's when even last year, that's when the Ravens really hit their stride. When Greg Roman said, what I was doing wasn't working for the first eight weeks. We need to change this up now that Lamar is back and do something different. That's when the counter bash really came into play. They built a whole offense around that and, and that made it all tick. Um, So the opportunity is that, I mean, that's the thing about this team. The opportunity is there the lack of belief from the national media and national pundits is there. The poster board and billboard material that they should, they are should already be getting from dumb idiots like Dan Orlovsky basically saying that the Ravens are at fucking DEFCON one right now, like in terms of what they should be worried about. It's like, come on, we're not even a month into like, they haven't even played a game yet. They haven't even beat the Raiders by 25 points, which is going to happen in a couple weeks. Like, come on, like, this kind of stuff and the way people are talking about it, I think, and the way people are talking about Lamar and him playing on the playground with people getting COVID, there's just all of this criticism raining down on these guys to hunker down, say, we're going to find a way to do everything we can to win every game on the schedule. And we're just going to go out and we're going to blow the roof off and we're going to score 35 points a game. I, I think there's a chance that that can happen. I, I, I definitely think, that, you know, if it all goes well um, and, and maybe it's just going to be Lamar Jackson, you know, getting into his groove. And, and, you know, we haven't even really talked much about Lamar Jackson and, and because I feel like we think that he's a known quantity and, and that's true to a very certain extent, but there's still room for him to improve as well. And he, there's a, a lot of really incredible plays that he made last year. And there was a lot of really simple plays that he just did not make. Like he kind of had a lot of issues with mechanics and like the kind of the most basic simple throws. If he just can be more consistent on a down to down basis and in like a pass to pass basis, that can also raise the floor of this offense significantly because he 
has all the talent in the world and he can make some of the most incredible throws you'll see on the football field, but he needs to get rid of those throws where he kind of loses concentration. And for whatever reason, just kind of like, you know, chucks it like at like a submarine angle. And, and some of those plays he kind of needs to do to get the rid of the ball. But like, he definitely makes a lot of throws harder than they need to be. And if he can like take, get rid of that and just like be more consistent and be better with his passing mechanics and kind of his base in general. I think, you know, he has a chance to really, really take the next step this year, get back to what we saw, you know, in 2019 in terms of his passing. Um, I I think he was a little frenetic in the pocket last year, but you know, that had partially to do with what we talked about with the offensive line, but behind a better offensive line, I think, you know, with a little bit more confidence in receivers as well. We obviously we saw last year with miles Boykin, he just didn't trust him a lot of the times unless he was running wide open. Um, I, I think that this, he has an opportunity to really kind of take that leap, get back to the MVP form and, and really put this Ravens offense on his back and the team on his back and, and take them pretty far this season. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Lamar's Lamar is my guy. I, I I think that the I think this guy really is the limit. I think people are wildly underestimating this offense, this team, and him. I think that he was hurt at the start of last year in a way that the Ravens have still not talked about. Um, that made an impact on his performance in that regard as well. And I think that if they put it together and he is fully healthy for the balance of this entire season. Um, the NFL is going to be reminded why he was the second unanimous MVP of this league, something that Patrick Mahomes still has not done. Um, and so again, and I don't, you know, it's not to say that Patrick Mahomes is a bad quarterback. I just think that, you know, the, the Patrick Mahomes love when, you know, he, and he does incredible things with his arm when Lamar does just as incredible things with his legs and seems to get none of the credit for it just drives me up a wall. Yeah. And, and one more thing on Lamar, like, I feel like, he still has that stigma of, you know, just a running back or whatever. But just look at some of the, the plays he makes. I mean, yes, he makes plays with his feet, but he makes some of the most incredible throws you will see on the NFL football field. And Patrick Mahomes, yes, he, he also makes those throws as well. But Lamar Jackson can really, really fit the ball into some tight windows. You know, he's not afraid to throw it in there and force it in there when needed. Um, I, th- I think this, like we said, like he's going to have a really – big chip on his shoulder, especially after the way last season ended and he was knocked out and unfortunately couldn't even finish a playoff game. Um, I think he wants to come back and, and he really put on a show this year. And, and I think that, you know, he now has a few more toys to play with. It's, it's going to be a fun season to watch. And he, and, and Mahomes does it with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. That's yeah. like, like one of the games that Mahomes beat the Ravens wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Tyreek Hill. Like, and, and I, you can say whatever you want about that throw from Mahomes, but all he did was chuck the ball as high and as hard and as far as he could. And Tyreek Hill happened to run it down between four Ravens defenders. And if that didn't happen, the Ravens would have won that game. Um, yep. You know, and Travis Kelsey is just a tremendous force at, at tight end. The Ravens don't have the skilled players at the same level to, to have that kind of passing game. And quite frankly, Andy Reid is a better offensive game designer than Greg Roman is. That's I would true. take Andy Reid. You know, I, I love John Harbaugh, but I would take Andy Reid as the head coach over Lamar. I can't even imagine if you had a guy like Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid that was calling an offense for Lamar where where that would go. So that's, you know, my, my hope is that the Ravens with T Martin and um, Kevin Williams really pull it together this year 
get creative, find ways to do this stuff. Hopefully this preseason week one was intentionally vanilla, that it will all continue to be vanilla. I think it'll even be vanilla through week one in the Raiders game. I think the Ravens are going to win that game by a lot of points, but Ravens fans are going to be annoyed because it's going to look like the Ravens offense did in 2020. And then in week two against the Chiefs, you're going to see all kinds of new wrinkles and all kinds of stuff rolled out. Um, and, and if that happens, then then we're going to be, even if even if they do that and aren't successful, I'm going to be a happy camper because they've got 15 more weeks after that to get it together. And I think that, that that's plenty of time to really take it to a Super Bowl level. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what you said is true, um, especially about like the Ravens being vanilla in, the, in that week one. And it was interesting because on defense, they were not vanilla at all. I think they had a better idea of what they want to be and a better idea of the players and what the roles they're going to fill. So I think they actually put them in more interesting and, and more kind of live fire position. Um, but on offense, I think they're still trying to figure some things out, especially like figuring out, you know, maybe a couple of those positions on the offensive line, both from a depth perspective and maybe as a, at a starting left guard perspective as well. So I think, you know, the week two preseason game, I expect we'll see a little bit of Lamar Jackson. I, I think he needs, a, you know, maybe a few live reps. Um, hopefully we'll see that offensive line come together. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens over the rest of the, uh, um, you know, preseason leading up to the week one. Um, you know, it's only a month away, but it, it still feels like it's really far. Um, so I, I think, you know, we'll come back with maybe one or two more episodes before before the um, you know week one, I think we want to you know take a look at some of the other teams around the division, maybe around the AFC, um, and and see what what they're looking like and seeing how the Ravens stack up against them. So um, you know we'll probably do one more kind of like preseason game to kind of wrap up and then probably have a look around the NFL and see and see where the, how the Ravens stack up. Yeah, well we're excited that you guys joined us. We're we're glad to be covering the Ravens. We're glad to have football back and excited to excited to get some momentum going for this Baltimore Ravens team this year. So um, thanks for tuning in. You guys can check us out on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Ravens Sit Room. We'd love to hear from you there. We're trying to tweet during the games or some other fun Ravens stuff. So uh, love to see you and engage with you. Thanks for tuning in. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.